God be with me as I expound upon it for our edification and for our service to him. There was a church that was getting ready to mount a major construction project. They were adding in a, a large addition onto their building. The team charged with raising funds to support the project realized that with the pledges that they already had coming in, they were short on the amount needed for this project. There was one particularly wealthy member of the congregation who had not yet made a pledge. The stewardship team decided that if they could just get this one member involved, it would make all the difference. They would be able to move ahead with the construction. So a couple of members from that committee paid the man a visit in his mansion. They told him what they hoped to accomplish with the construction project. They explained the amount of money that they were still short, and they flattered him, stating that in view of his considerable resources, he could be the one to put them over the top. I see, the man said. So you have it all figured out, have you? Well, in the course of your investigations into my financial circumstances, did you discover that I have a widowed mother who has no means of supporting herself? No, they admitted they did not know that. Did you know I have a sister who is a single mother with five children and no one to provide for them? No, they were ashamed to say they didn't know that either. Well then, he continued, I suppose you also don't know I have a brother who was crippled in an accident and can never work another day to support his family. Embarrassingly, they responded, no, we're so sorry we didn't know that either. Well, he thundered triumphantly back at them, I've never given a cent to any of them, why do you think I give any to you? <laughs> Jesus, in the parables we read today from the Gospel of Luke, he uses the analogy of a building project. He says that someone before beginning to build a tower will sit down to figure out the cost associated with doing so. After all, you wouldn't want to lay a foundation and start to put up walls and then only then realize that you don't have what it takes to finish the project. Of course, the point that Jesus was trying to make wasn't about a physical tower. It wasn't about a church building, even though the church is involved. It wasn't about finances, although finances are certainly related to what he was saying. What Jesus was talking about here ultimately is discipleship. There's a cost involved, according to Jesus, of being his disciple. And before we go chasing after him, it might be wise for us to consider what that cost is and whether we are ready to pay it. None of you can become my disciple, he says in this same teaching, if you do not give up all your possessions. Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciples. These are some hard teachings right here. This is, this is not my burden is easy and my yoke is light. This is take up your cross and follow me. For those who read the passage of the rich young ruler, you know the one where Jesus tells this man to sell all that he owns, give it all away to the poor and come follow him, and the man went away grieving because he had so many possessions. For those who read that passage and are quick to point out that Jesus issued that command to one particular person in one particular setting and that he does not call everyone, least of all us, to that sort of sacrifice, 
Well, then there is this. None of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. None of you, he says. Give up all your possessions, he says. For those who think that Christianity is synonymous with wholesome family values, well, then there is this. Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciples. Hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, Jesus says. Not something that you will hear very many family values candidates proclaiming out on the campaign stump. I wonder what my reaction might have been had I been listening to Jesus in the crowds that day. I'd imagine that I might have thought he was off his rocker. Who can say these kinds of outrageous things and expect anyone to take him seriously? But that's exactly what Jesus did. He said these things out loud without providing any context to a whole crowd of people who were following after him. Now, biblical scholarship can provide us some context so that we can better understand what Jesus was talking about. For example, scholars of ancient languages will point out that what Jesus meant by the word hate is quite different from what we mean by the word hate. Hate in the language and the context in which Jesus used it in this passage had nothing to do with feelings of anger or resentment or hostility. Rather, anytime two values came into conflict with one another, to hate something meant that that was what you rejected. That was the option that you renounced, turned away from in consideration of the other commitment, which took priority. Jesus must take priority over everything. Under normal circumstances, we are obligated to respect and honor our parents. It's one of the Ten Commandments. However, if a parent leads you to worship a false god, or tells you to assist them in a crime, or teaches you to discriminate against a different class of people, or anything else that would be contrary to the word of God, then you are obligated as a Christian disciple not to follow those directions of your parents. If your parents are trying to get you to do one thing with your life and God is calling you to another, then you have to renounce the wishes of your parents in order to please God. That's what it means to hate father and mother, sister and brother, and yes, even spouse and child. You still must honor and respect your parents. You must continue to love and cherish and be faithful to and support your family in any way that you ethically and morally can, but they cannot take priority in your life over God. That will mean a rift in some families. Because some of your family won't understand the call that God has placed on your life. They'll think that you're just being obstinate. You should not intentionally create those rifts, but you must be forewarned that they may come. Are you willing to pay that price to follow Jesus? Likewise, with the admonition to give up all possessions, biblical scholars will point out that while Jesus' most immediate disciples did, in fact, leave everything behind in order to follow him, they also relied heavily upon the hospitality and patronage of homeowners who housed and fed them and in whose homes the earliest churches were established. Jesus was not entirely opposed to personal property. He was concerned. He was 
very concerned about the spiritual detriment caused by dependence on personal resources rather than on God. When Jesus said that everyone who would be his disciple must give up all their possessions, he meant that we must dedicate everything we have to God's use. Not just our Sunday offering, not even the full tithe, but everything. All that we have, 100%, however it came to be, however hard you had to work to earn it, however diligently you have been to save it, all of it is held in trust to God. All of it came from God in the first place, and God can call however much of it he wants back from us at any time. If we are to be his disciples, we need to get okay with that. We need to get over this sense that we own it, that we're in control. We need to release it all to God. That doesn't mean giving it all away, at least not for most of us, but it does mean allowing God to claim it however and whenever he sees fit. Any of it. All of it. Are you willing to pay that price to follow Jesus? Understanding what it is Jesus meant when he said these things can make it a little bit easier to swallow, to know that he wasn't being anti-family, to know that he wasn't demanding that all of his followers live in abject poverty. But understanding what he meant when he said these things doesn't make it any easier to live by them. There is a very high cost involved in being his disciple. It's going to take a lot of commitment and a lot of sacrifice on our part to build our lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Jesus laid the foundation in his sacrifice. We need to consider what it will cost us to build our lives on that foundation and to ask ourselves if we are willing to pay that price. When Jesus said these things to the crowd, he was already on his way to the cross. He had already set his face toward Jerusalem. He was moving full force toward that fate which he knew awaited him there. He willingly placed his life in God's hands in full knowledge of what lay ahead. Jesus knew the cost. And he was willing to pay it for us. For the people that were traveling along with Jesus, it was a different story. If they even noticed that the fact that he was moving toward Jerusalem, they surely misconstrued what that meant. They probably assumed he was going there to kick out the Romans, to take his place on the throne. More likely, they didn't even notice where he was headed. They were too preoccupied with themselves to pay attention to his agenda. Most people in the crowd were coming to Jesus for reasons that had nothing to do with his agenda. Perhaps they needed healing and they came to him because of the miraculous tales they had heard. Perhaps they had heard those miraculous tales and they simply came in curiosity. Perhaps that's why Jesus spoke so harshly to the crowd. Here was this crowd of people following him around from place to place and they had no understanding of what it meant to follow him. All most of them cared about was what they wanted for themselves. And they thought Jesus was the guy to give it to them. 
whether that be healing and happiness for themselves, whether that may be domination over foreign armies. Jesus must have felt some sense of urgency, urgency in making them understand what it was that he was asking them to sign up for. Jesus makes a clear distinction in this passage between someone who comes to them for their own interests and someone who comes to him as a disciple. A disciple is one who comes to Jesus thinking not about what she can get Jesus to do for her, but what she is willing to do for Jesus. Jesus said there is a cost to being his disciple, and we would be well advised to consider that cost and whether or not we are willing to pay that price. It's really no different today than it was in Jesus' day. There are people who go to church with little or no thought about what it means to be a Christian disciple. There are people who go to church because of what they hope and expect Jesus to do for them, what they hope to get from God. There are those who call themselves Christian by virtue of birth or cultural identity, but none of these are what Jesus means by being a disciple. Discipleship is not a matter of culture. It's not a matter of self-serving gain nor half-hearted curiosity. Discipleship is a matter of life commitment, of sacrifice. Jesus does not call people to be churchgoers. He calls them to be Christ followers. Jesus does not call people to be culturally Christian. He calls them to be his disciples. I know that can be a scary word, disciple. We have this image of a disciple as being someone who doesn't live in the real world. Work and family and school and doctor's bills. We look at the lives of Jesus' 12 disciples and we rightly conclude, that's nothing like my life. But those 12 were not the only ones Jesus called to be disciples. The word disciple very simply means student. But it, it doesn't mean student just in the sense of listening to what someone is teaching. It means learning from that someone's teachings and life and, and learning to live like that person. That's why these crowds that were following Jesus were not his disciples. They traveled with him, they listened to what he taught, but they were not committing their lives to him. They were not looking for their entire identity and their whole way of life to be transformed by him. There was once someone talking with a great scholar about a young man that they both knew. And the man said to the scholar, so-and-so tells me that he was your student. The teacher answered in disappointment, he may have attended my lectures, but he was not my student. Are we students of Jesus? It is possible for a person to come to church every Sunday, year after year, to listen to hundreds, maybe even thousands of sermons on the Christian life and still not be following Christ, still not be a disciple. Discipleship is about a commitment to live life on God's terms. Discipleship is about giving control over to God, allowing him to direct every aspect of our lives. 
There's a cost to discipleship. And Jesus admonishes us to consider if we are ready, willing, and able to pay that price. That cost of discipleship. Maybe losing the respect of close family and good friends who don't understand our faith, don't agree with our level of commitment. That cost of discipleship may be giving up large amounts of wealth in order to make a difference in the world and to build up the church. That cost of discipleship may be spending time ministering to people who aren't like me and whom I'd rather not be concerned. That cost of discipleship may be renouncing something that I really want for myself in order to provide something that someone else really needs. That, that cost of discipleship, it's paid in different currency by different people. But everyone, for everyone, the call of discipleship must be all-consuming. It may even mean laying my life down on the line in defense of someone else or in defense of my faith. Jesus said, whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple." That means that in order to be called his disciples, we must be willing to suffer and die for Christ, even as he suffered and died for us. How many of us are ready and willing to pay that price? That's the question that Jesus pushes on us. It's a question that he forces us to face. He challenges us with it when he calls us to be his disciples. And he warns us to count the cost. As a church, we are involved in a building project here. I don't know if you realize that or not. We're involved in a building project. It's not a literal construction project. I'm not talking about bricks and mortar. We're not building another addition on the building. Rather, we are building a community of faith on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And there is a cost associated with that. I'm not asking you to give to a capital campaign. I'm asking you to give to a kingdom campaign, to give of yourself. Financially, yes, but not just that. To give of your time and talents and efforts and prayers for this church. Whatever God has blessed you with, he has entrusted those things to you so that you can entrust them back to him. That is what it means to be a disciple. To hold nothing back. That is the cost of discipleship. Everything. When it comes to the cost of this particular project that we're engaged in here at Faith Community, building the church back on the foundation of Jesus Christ, when we count the cost for that, the question is not do we have the resources to do it. Of course we have the resources. God has given us the resources. He's put them all in this room, in this church. God will provide all that we need. The question for us is, are we the crowds coming to church for what we can get for ourselves? Or are we disciples 
giving ourselves over to God's mission, following Christ wherever he leads? Are we willing to give whatever time God asks, whatever finances God asks, whatever gifts and skills God asks us to use for his kingdom? That, that is what it costs to build a church. That is the cost of being a disciple of Jesus. Are we willing to pay it?